0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network.
1: Welcome everyone to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow and today I have a repeat extinguished guest. Very, very extinguished. He needs to be extinguished. I do need to be extinguished. (laughs) He's like... I don't know, top, top five favorite people from North Carolina. Oh, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) You have a lot of competition in that state, dude. Yeah, it's a good thing I don't live in that state. Oh. (laughs) Oh, well. South Carolina, now you're only in the top 10. That's more my flavor. (laughs) (laughs) One of my best friends, Justin Morgan, has joined me and we're going to talk about movies. Justin is tech support for LMV Bavarian. So if any of you are out there servicing BMWs regularly, uh, I strongly suggest that you get hooked up with LMV Bavarian and Justin for their tech support, uh, both on vehicles and using ISTA ISTA P. Welcome back, Justin. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me again. So do you need a reason to go to Las Vegas? I don't necessarily need a reason. Oh, because I think I can come up with a good reason for you. Do you have a good reason? I do. Listen to this. The NAPA Expo will be held July 18th through the 21st at the Venetian Convention and Expo Center in Las Vegas. Stay on the forefront of the latest technologies and industry trends. Registration opens April 2022, so it's already open. Not enrolled, but interested in attending? Contact your servicing NAPA store for more information. There it is, buddy. On a platter. A reason to go to Vegas. That'd be
0: a good reason. That'd be a good reason. I've been doing some cool stuff this year. They really are.
1: So, we're talking about some movies. And some of the
0: lessons I feel like I take away from them. (laughs) Hold on. Let me paint a picture for everybody that can't see what happens here. So, what happens occasionally is Matt will randomly text me. Just a movie line or a title of a movie and I, I know what he's doing. I, I know what he's doing. He's trying to describe his day with either a movie quote or just the title of the movie. And so that's, that's kind of, he's, he's had another ballpark idea here. So
1: yeah, definitely, definitely left field. I think maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating. I don't know. But uh, have you ever seen the movie Kung Fu Hustle? I have. It's one of my very, very favorite movies.
0: That is a thing that I did not know.
1: (laughs) Well, no, you do. (laughs) No, no. Our friendship's just getting that much deeper. Or something's getting much deeper. Uh, Something's getting deeper. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I feel like that movie has a very, very important life lesson at the end. And maybe there's a few more on the way. Maybe don't whistle around cobras. (laughs) Maybe don't tick off the landlady who can probably kick your butt. Uh, Don't mess with a bunch of people carrying around axes.
0: I was going to say, don't try to refuse the funeral bill, but...
1: (laughs) 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 So what happens uh, if you haven't seen this movie, I do suggest everyone see it. Uh, I bought it on Blu-ray because now I have options. I can... Watch it with subtitles uh, or the English dubbing. So, you know, the voiceover, if you will, voice looping in English. One thing you cannot do (laughs) or shouldn't do, or I I guess you can do whatever you want, but you don't do it at the same time. You don't watch it with subtitles and uh, dubbing because they don't match. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So the main character kind of goes through a journey. First, they're duped. He's duped into buying and overpaying for a pamphlet to learn a martial art called the Buddhist palm technique from, and he gets it from like a, a bum or a hobo. You know, he's tricked into thinking, you know, he's got the bone structure of a kung fu genius and stuff like that. And he plunks down, breaks his piggy bank and plunks down the money and studies the Buddhist palm. And then in a playground, he sees some bullies bullying. Because that's what bullies do. Uh, Turns out a mute girl, little girl who has a lollipop, they're bullying her. So he tries to go save the day and gets his butt handed to him. Buddhist poem doesn't work. At least it didn't at this point. He goes through life trying to be never really bullied again. And by that, he wants to join the Axe Gang and the Axe Gangs. Mean and tough and there's a lot of them and actually ends up kind of joining the axe gang because it turns out he's a remarkable lockpick. And then uh, throughout the movie, we kind of see that he has a certain healing factor, which is a bit of a hint, I guess, or a clue as to what he's going to end up becoming. And what what happens then is the Axe Gang wanting to deal with the landlord and the landlord's uh, husband or the landlords who turn out to be Kung Fu masters of a couple different disciplines, if you will. Two
0: of the three
1: real masters. Yep. Yep. The, they bring in the, the Axe Gang gets the third, the the great killer. They break him out of jail. Well, the main character. Yeah, actually, yeah. He busts him out. Yeah. Up. Uses lock picking skills to bust them out. <laughs> so okay, they have this epic battle, and uh, they end up in like this weird twister type of a situation. And I don't, mean, I don't mean like the uh, MMA submission move, the twister, but I, the the game. Like they're kind of all wrapped around each other and blocking and attacking each other at the same time. All four of their arms and legs, or I, I guess. Six, they're kind of wound up tight, and the X Gang hands our main character a like a four by four or a leg from a table, really, to go finish off the uh husband and wife team. And instead, he <laughs> bashes the killer in the head. You know, the killer does what killers do, they bust out of the uh twister move, and he beats the ever living crap out of this guy. Just literally. Hulk smashes him into the ground. When he turns around, the uh, husband and wife team grab the main character and race off, disappear. And now we have almost a caterpillar cocoon turning into a butterfly effect where now our main character uh, is, is like wrapped up like a mummy almost, just totally bound in this cocoon of gauze and, And uh, when he you don't see him emerge, but it's hinted it's hinted that he's emerging much like a butterfly from their cocoon. And he is now like the greatest Kung Fu genius that this butt kicking unblocked his chi flow. So I feel that the moral of the story, maybe not the whole story, but this point, this sequence of events, this scene to me hits me as. Sometimes to reach your potential, to become your best, and maybe not sometimes, maybe it's all the time, you have to get your butt handed to you. And maybe not just one time, but a bunch of times. And I think throughout the the movie, there are times where you could say he's kind of getting his butt handed to him over and over and over. And then there was the big one. And that's more for cinematics where this, the, the idea of you, you kind of have to get your butt handed to you a few times. You got to make big mistakes, or maybe not even big mistakes, but just you got to make mistakes, and you have to get experience situations where experience can be gained. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't want to think of everything that you've ever done uh, to gain experience as being something that you made a mistake. So, like if I'm looking over Justin's shoulder while he's, you know, working on a vehicle or helping another tech over the phone or something like that. I'm not really making a mistake, but I—that's an experience. There's a, a chance to gain experience there, and I'm going to get closer and closer to hitting my potential. So, am I? Am I reaching on that one, Justin? I, I don't did, think did you're reaching go far.
0: I was going to say that uh, w- when when you got to the you got to the uh, the Hulk slam when he's just getting decimated, and then he comes back. I, I kind of was. I was going to. I thought you were alluding to the fact that percussive maintenance is a true diagnostic step (laughs) maybe not but no you gotta be measuring
1: the resonance frequency though when you do it yeah so
0: no and i agree i mean and i think we've talked about this before you definitely talked about it with your um the episode you did on journaling or just kind of self-documenting that's really what helps you grow is not documenting the wins not documenting the things that went right it's really reflecting on the beatings that you take and and it's kind of dependent on i feel like it's kind of based on where you are in your career as to how often you are getting the smackdown laid on you i feel like guys that are really at the top of the game that are really excelling are the ones that get beat up the most and that's sometimes hard for people to remember There's a lot to that, actually.
1: You know, not that I want to just start bouncing around from movie to movie to movie. And it's not like I just base my entire life around movies. I think you could kind of get that idea. But I find that they do make good um, reference material and not so much to learn specifically. But, you know, obviously you could. Uh, But also, if I'm trying to paint a picture for somebody, if I can reference a movie or a TV show or a, a... song lyric or something like that. Now they they can kind of see and hear where I'm coming from, right? I, I've set up a, a scenario that they can, they don't have to imagine a whole lot because a lot of times, you know, there's certainly times you want to use your imagination, but when you're trying to explain something to somebody, rarely do you want them using their imagination. You want them to kind of get where you're coming from. And the, you know, this may be just a quick tangent What you said about that with not so much keeping track of your wins. I mean, if you're journaling, keep track of everything. But if you talk to like most of the best of the best, it's rare that they're going to rattle off the successes, the, the easy successes. That's not the ones you keep track of. They remember the car that kicked their butt. Maybe they finally arrived at a conclusion and, a success, maybe they didn't, but those are the ones they remember, and it reminds me of a movie. <laughs> reminds me of a movie, The Guardian, with uh Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher. Yep, and they're on uh, Coast Guard, right? Rescue swimmers. Yeah, they're uh, they're yeah they're Coast Guard rescue swimmers. Yep. Yeah, because I don't think they were PJs. They weren't. No, they're, no, uh, they're, a pair of no they're Coast Guard. The Coast Guard rescue swimmers, and Kevin Costner uh, up in Alaska, so. You know, presumably, dealing with uh, crab fishermen or fishermen, right? And regularly, I mean, it wouldn't have to necessarily be crab fishermen all the time. But I suppose a lot. He's kind of uh, got a bit of a legend going. He's legendary. Oh, he is the legend, and right. And Ashton is up and coming. He is a collegiate standout swimmer, and uh, he's out to be the best. And he's hung up on what is Kevin costner's characters what is his number meaning how many people have you saved expecting this insanely high number but it'll be a goal whatever that number he spews out of his mouth becomes the goal this is the number i have to beat to now be the best and after almost an entire movie trying to get kevin costner's character to spill the beans on what his number is kevin costner's character or kevin costner however you want to frame this turns to him and says, you know, finally does say 22. And Ashton's character is kind of like, oh, okay, that's, that's, um that's pretty good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not what he expected. Yeah, that's a little lower than I thought, but you know, that's still pretty good.
1: That isn't the number of people he saved. That is the number of people he lost. That's the only number he ever cared about. He never cared about that other number. As a side note, uh, I felt like another really good message in that movie was um, swim as hard as you can for as long as you can. We can get back on track here. Kind of
0: gotten that same lesson from Finding Nemo, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. No, I mean, if so if you go back, when you first mentioned uh, Kung Fu Hustle to me, it, it kind of brought back some feelings from the last podcast that we did together the last time you had me on when we were talking about uh, Rocky four. And so there's a scene and, and Matt kind of painted it. You have this, this one master that's been broken out of jail. He's the, you know, he's the evil master. And then you have the two other masters, which is like the landlady of this slum where everybody lives. And her husband pigsty, pigsty alley. And when they meet, in this I guess is it a casino or resort or wherever it is they meet casino yeah and the evil master looks at the two of them and they're asking you know are, are you with the axe gang now and he says no they're confused I'm, I'm I'm only here for one thing I'm either here to kill you or be killed by you and I feel like that's pretty accurate for most of our diag <laughs> yep <laughs> So, (laughs) I mean, and sometimes it turns into my absolute favorite movie, which is Sling Blade, which is, uh, I mean, to kill you with this here lawnmower blade. And sometimes that's what it gets to. I mean, when it just gets bad, you're ready to just light it on fire or beat it to death, right? Yeah, something spectacular, like Tannerite. It's probably a bad idea. That's not as exciting as everybody thinks, at least not in normal human quantities.
1: Right, you're right. Um, I think season three, Rust Bro's Garage, they they do blow up a car with Tannerite, and they blow it up. A bunch of Tannerite. They used a lot. Uh, They used a lot. There was not, I don't know, (laughs) there was not a whole
0: lot left of the car. Not that this is supposed to be part two to what we talked about before, but... I don't know about you, but I had gotten some good comments from guys that um reached out after the last podcast and we were talking about those beatings and it kind of that's kind of where we're going now is um you know if you if you take it as the as the pro you know keep swimming or swim as hard as as hard and as fast as you can for as long as you can, or you know just I'm either here to kill you or you're here to kill me. I think that's more of a normal part of the job as far as diag and problem solving goes than it is glory that people sometimes forget. I think it's kind of hard to remember that when you're discussing case studies with other people at training or you're sitting in a class or you're watching a YouTube video of somebody doing something. Sometimes we don't realize how much battle really went into that situation, and so guys kind of forget that. I just felt like saying that
1: you only know what they tell you. It, whether it's somebody standing in front of the class or somebody sitting on social media or a, a professional forum, you only know what they tell you. And over time, I, I think that's why, at least the messages I got, they kind of pointed towards almost a surprise that I have anxiety or I get nervous about the next vehicle or. Whatever time I have in my head that I feel like I should have a handle on this problem, if I don't, all of a sudden it's like, oh, the confidence starts waning and frustration starts setting in. And I I just feel like a lot of our training classes or a lot of the stuff that we read, whoever's putting it up, maybe maybe they are that good. I mean, seriously, maybe they are that good. They don't struggle. There's some people out there that are that good. I, I mean, I think there is, you know, John Rogers, Ed Page. I think those two. Um, I, I think there are some super smart people out there. I, I guess we can start name dropping. We'll be here all
0: night. Yeah, we could. I mean, that's a that's a long list that I've been lucky enough to meet most of.
1: But usually, you you're sitting there in a classroom, and
0: they always took the
1: best path, and it's so rare. They're kind of like, okay, I'm going to talk about this car that destroyed me. And I I spent hours and hours scoping this and looking at this data and, you know, bought this new tool. And, uh, you know, long story short, maybe they don't say that in class. You wouldn't really want the long story short version in class. But I, I wasted a lot of time. I didn't. I didn't have to scope this or that, or I should have got the scope sooner. What was I thinking, you know, putting off the scope because it was, you know, in a case up on the shelf, I should have went and got the fricking thing right off the bat. I would have saved myself, you know, hours or I reached for it too soon, you know, or I, I should have spent more time flipping through the data stream, you know, Falco, Richard Falco from uh, CTI WTI training did a class a couple a couple uh, it's a little more about two three years ago at Vision uh, about stop using your scope or something of that nature right is somewhat derogatory to scope users but he's a you know he's a scope user but the point of it was slow down and go through the data list a little bit slow down to speed up quit jumping to overcomplicate you make a movie reference here but yeah yeah, we can make a movie reference here, but seriously, just he slow down to speed up. Look through the data. Spend a little bit of time flipping through the data. What are these things telling you? And a lot of times we flip right past gold just gold. Diagnostic or you know information for analysis, we flip right by it. Don't even give it a second look or take a second to look. And we missed something that would have saved us an immense amount of time. And even after we're done, we may not know that that even exists still. So we didn't learn as much as we could have. It's, it's rough, right? Cause we're, we're not really rewarded for taking, we're not really rewarded to slow down to speed up, right? That's not the mentality.
0: Definitely not. I mean, the entire trade is predicated on, you know, everything we do is sold in six, six minute increments. So it's hard to create the, I don't want to say safe space, but create the environment where people want to slow down to go faster. Yeah. You know, that's tough. And then, like you said, that adds to more anxiety to some guys. Um, And it's interesting because that topic keeps coming up a lot. And I'm not going to mention any names, but I just had this conversation with somebody that went way out of their comfort zone recently at an event and shared some things that were done at that event that I thought were amazing. Um, because I don't think that people realize how much of that exists, um, not just performance anxiety, but just overall different, different levels of anxiety. We get so used to working with the same small group of people. We get so used to working on inanimate objects that we forget what it's like to kind of socialize or um, work with other people. So that creates anxiety, too, and that's, that's something I don't think it's talked about enough in the trade. I see it a lot everywhere I go. Are you
1: a repair shop owner? Do you find yourself struggling with any of the following? Uncertainty about the future and competition? Are you spending too much time managing chaos and struggling with new employees? Do you lack time to invest in learning best practices? Or there's no time to spend on effective marketing? How do your finances look? Are you reactive rather than proactive? Do you know where you should be? when to grow, when to shrink. If any of those situations describe where you are today, you are finally in the right place. Repair Shop of Tomorrow is Napa Auto Care's newest endorsed partner. They are helping shops all over the nation run more profitable automotive repair shops by utilizing proven business best practice marketing and coaching to leverage Napa programs to drive quality, car count, sales, and profits. Repair Shop of Tomorrow will look at productivity, efficiencies, Effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percentage, measure and manage labor, and how you can create net profit. Team up with coaches to create systems, operations, and procedures using a business flow chart to help you reach your goals. Repair Shop of Tomorrow will help measure and manage the results to help each business succeed. Best of all, it's not do-it-yourself. It's all done for you. Their goal is to help dealers do what they do best fix cars, and build relationships at the counter and in the community. Repair Shop of Tomorrow will take the other minutia off your plate. The Repair Shop of Tomorrow offers a tier-based program to not only generate more business today, but to transform your shop into a top-level shop of tomorrow. Repair Shop of Tomorrow can teach you how to make your shop profitable. They can teach you how to recruit and how to make more labor dollars for your shop. Interested in Repair Shop of Tomorrow? Call one two three zero for a free twenty minute no obligation consultation, or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. You know to keep kind of going with this. Um, you know what we were kind of initially started talking about the butt kickings that really built or really shaped, uh, really shaped you. And I think one of the very 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 first cars. That I diag- you know, got the task of analyzing for a uh, performance complaint. Lack of power was a, it was a Ford Bronco two with a two point nine liter, and this thing would not get out of its way. Boy, somebody really didn't like you. Yeah, and this is back where there was not much for scan data, and I don't really want to pretend that even if there I it did that I would have known what the hell I was looking at. So we're talking, I was probably a 19. Yeah, I'm, I, I probably didn't bought.
0: So this is like four years ago, five years ago? Is that what
1: yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm going to start bouncing those checks
0: to you. Maybe, maybe six. I don't know.
1: Yeah, this is back, yeah, back in the 30s. It's a Model T. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't get out of its own way. I did check fuel pressure, and it was low, uh, under load. Uh, Just idling, fine. Deadhead, fine. Uh, Under load, low. So I already kind of should know what's wrong with this vehicle. That was enough for me to make a really good decision. I got burned a little bit because of haste. And um, at the time, our service information was really books, like the Mitchell style books, and we didn't have all of them. So Honestly, for, from a diagnostic standpoint, a lot of my service information at that time was the, uh, we had an OTC monitor, uh, 4000 enhanced scan tool. That was the only scan tool in the shop. Uh, this would be Cicera 1990. he's your old six. <laughs> this would be like 1996. Okay. Uh, because the scan tool came with this weird adapter for OBD2 that we were never going to see one of these, right? And they had cartridges, these little cartridge cards almost that plugged into it for different manufacturers. What was cool is the DLC was going to be the same on all the cars and it was supposed to be inside, you know, in the car, just like GM and not like Ford and Chrysler. And on this Bronco 2, uh, if it would have had data stream, it would only have been. At least maybe Snap-on might have had something, NGS, of course. And I don't know if I want to commit to saying if it was Eek 4 or not. It might have been Eek 3 yet. Anyways, I put a fuel filter on it. That should have fixed it, right? It didn't. And some of you familiar with these probably know what question to ask next. And I, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I'm not out here to make some big dramatic thing and take you guys on this long diagnostic journey. Turns out this car, for whatever reason, had two fuel filters. It had the canister style, where you had a quick connect inlet and outlet. And then it went through this bowl. And inside there was like this exposed, currugated, I mean, I guess corrugated would have been this inside that canister style one too, but this had a bowl and there's a fuel filter in there. And I didn't know that we could spend a few minutes pointing fingers. You know, the, my boss, when he looked up the fuel filters should have seen that there was two different ones. And even then you would have looked at the car and there's the big silver one right there. Looks old. was hard to blow through, put it on. Same problem. So now being the an idiot that I was and inexperienced and in whatever defenses I want to throw up, broke down, and put a fuel pump in it for no reason. Because I proved the fuel pump was good, right? The dead head. Uh, I suppose if I had a flow tested, it, it would have failed. But I know I'd have probably still ended up at the fuel pump because I replaced the filter, uh, depending on where I checked it. If I had checked it at that canister fuel filter, it would have passed the flow test, anything after that, it would have failed. And I found out that if I took an oil filter wrench, the, you know, yeah, oil filter wrenches, I spun the bottom of that bowl out and it was full of like mud. We put a fuel filter in there. I don't remember seeing anything in the fuel tank or anything like that, but this thing was full of mud. I would say it's almost like a miniature looking air filter, old style, you know, The one around the carburetor, the ring, you know, whatever a good name description of that air filter is like old school. That's what a miniature style one sat in there. And I took that out and I put the new one in there. And this thing went for for a Bronco, too. She screamed.
0: (laughs) I love I love how I love how you kind (laughs) of validated that. You
1: got to be careful. You don't want to blow this out of proportion.
0: Running nines in the quarter.
1: That was a huge growing experience. I mean, I spent a lot of time on this stupid car or truck, whatever, SUV. And it was before I went to um, my third year of college. I think maybe just maybe if I'd have came back from there, I'd have had a better shot. Uh, I might have been a little more systematic in my um, analysis, but I don't know. I don't want to make that assumption. But it's it got me looking at parts catalogs. That's a little bit part of my process. I'm not sitting there like pouring over it, but just quick look. Two fuel filters. What does that mean? Three fuel filters. What does that mean? Does it have three on there or is there just three different choices? And what do these fuel filters look like? And if I order both of them and one is the canister style and this other one looks like this other thing, and where does that go? And can I dig into service information? And we learned... We, not just me, the shop, my boss, learned our service information was wildly, wildly inept. Just wildly incomplete. So very, very shortly after that, um, we started out, we got what would have been Mitchell On Demand. Mitchell On Demand at the time. Well, they still call it, I guess, that. But it came on disks. I want to say we thought it was a lot. I want to say it was like a dozen discs, CDs, CD-ROM. And you had to change the discs all the time, depending on car lines. That was life-changing. That was life-changing. I mean, holy heck, we we're printing out procedures that we never had access to before, unless it was older and in the, the big Mitchell books. You know, we had a few of those or Chilton's and then um, Motor. Motor had really good books back back then. But you couldn't have them all. That was ridiculous, right? That was a uh, terrifically, I guess, molding experience, if you will.
0: So here's where people are going to think that we rehearse this. Because probably the biggest thing that helped me get good at being a technician, not just Diag, but as a technician, is I changed shops. I went from one shop, and it was the same as the other shops I had worked at where we had a service writer and they, you know, you, you wrote a ticket and they looked up parts and they looked up labor times and they built the ticket. And I left that shop and I went to a shop, another shop, and this new shop had this crazy, crazy operating procedure where techs looked up their own parts. And I, I'd never done that before. And now, and that's been bordering on 10, 11 years now. Now I only look up my own parts because I've never worked in a shop big enough to have a full-fledged parts manager, Um, and that's kind of a rarity in a shop unless it's a very high-producing shop, but it was amazing at the recovered time, not – This isn't the right part. This isn't what I was even talking about. This isn't the right part number. This is, oh, crap. We need three of these and you only ordered one. Now I'm stuck. This is tying up my lift. The amount of time I was able to gain, the amount of battles I was able to win by looking up my own parts because I knew what I needed. And then, like you said, if if I would have looked in the catalog myself, I would have been like, why does it have two different listings? Where does this thing live? Maybe we should investigate that.
1: Yeah, I would like to think I would have. Uh, Maybe not, but I mean, certainly after that I did. And never seen another one since. (laughs) No, but (laughs) luckily that would suck to get your butt kicked twice by the same problem. (laughs) That would suck. We'd have to call you me if you that one. Another one that comes to mind was uh, an equipment. I don't want to say an equipment issue, but just the way it operates. Uh, We had bought... The uh, Vitronics MTS 5100.
0: What's that? I said, okay, Dr. Strange.
1: (laughs) The Vitronics MTS 5100. It is the black and white or monochrome version of the MTS 5200, which is now green and the case is green and it's Bosch. And it's a KTS. Is it KTS? It's KTS 5200. Well, what the heck? Yeah, I actually have one of those. So we had the... We had the MTS fifty one hundred because you know it's supposed to be the cat's ass, right?
0: It'll fix everything for you.
1: Well, I mean, four channel handheld lab scope portable. The screen was bigger than the PDA one thousand that we, or PDA one hundred that we had, which was a rebadged or that was Entero PDA. But ours, we had the Macco Insight version. Uh, OTC had one called the Vision.
0: Uh, they're all the same the 5100 was a powerful tool because it had it was the start of let's put in some operational information to go along with it some quote unquote guided yeah. troubleshooting
1: yeah but i had four channels uh it did meter functions if i wanted it to it did i don't know if you could call it power graphing meter but certainly graphing meters uh not nearly as good as the vantage but still stamp on vantage but still uh, better than nothing. If you really wanted to uh, criticize it, the battery life was horrific. Mm-hmm. Horrific. But, runs on 12 volts. So you could hook it up to the battery and, you know, run it as long as you need to. So I have a Ford Ranger. And I have to make sure I'm going to have to talk about some cars other than Fords that kicked my butt because I don't want to sound like Fords were the only butt-kicking sort, but as I tell the story, those that you, those of you that have worked on such vehicles, would understand what happened, but and why and why it's important that it was a Ford. That um, a very very intermittent stall engine would die very very intermittently. Brand new fifty one hundred. I can't wait to use this. This is this is the stuff I'm going to be able to fix because I have this now. And this was definitely EEC four. So the uh, engine control module is 60 pins, and Ford was nice enough to or Ford themselves had a breakout box, and then Thexton had a breakout box. So we we bought the for the Thexton 60 pin breakout box. So you unplug the engine control module and you literally tee into it, and now you have 60 spots to stick your meter probes or scope probes. And I'm going to scope four things at once. Right? And so, you know, crank sensor. um, It didn't really have a cam sensor, but ignition, fuel, like oxygen sensor. And because the battery sucks on the 5100, I have it hooked up to the battery. And I have it run through the hood into the vehicle and reference ground my ground reference was pin 60 and then i went and drove this thing and i drove it and i drove it and i drove it over you know manhole covers and i drove it over dips and i hit curbs with it and uh i couldn't get this thing to act up to save my life and the customer said it would act up all the time like you couldn't hardly drive it anywhere without it stalling all right drive it some more they leave it overnight first thing in the morning maybe it's cold Hop in it, drive it, no problems. What the heck? What do you do? Right? You want us to just throw a crank sensor at it, or what? You know, what should we do? Uh, I guess I'll just take it. And by crank sensor, I probably really mean just the Hall effect and the distributor. No, we'll take it. They don't get out of the driveway, and it died. So I'm running out there with my scope and I'm running out there with my breakout box and I hook it all up. And then the customer and I go on about, I don't know, an hour and a half test drive. Doesn't skip a beat. All right. So now what? Take all my stuff off of there. They, they made it out of the parking lot this time, but they didn't. They got up to like a stop sign a couple blocks away. Died. This is pre-cell phone days. So they walk back. We go get it. Give them a ride home. Very frustrated. Come in the next morning. Don't put anything on it. I don't make it out of the parking lot. And it died. And I went out. And any again, anyone that's familiar with these vehicles knows that they had a terrible, terrible ground cable issue. Uh, where they have these two. You have the main... Negative battery cable that goes you know, to the frame or block, and then they got two other ones that kind of jump off and go to the body. And at the battery terminal, they corrode and break internally. That's what was wrong with this vehicle. The Vtronic's MTS fifty one hundred and probably the fifty two hundred and probably the KTS fifty two hundred. The ground of the scope is shared with the ground of the battery and the battery charger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I was hooked up to the battery and I referenced ground on pin 60 of the engine control module, I was fixing the vehicle. That was a harsh lesson.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, and there's no amount of training. There's no amount of anything that can prepare you for that situation. And I know a lot of people say that like it's a cop out, but it's not really a cop out. There's like there's no way that you can prepare for that. It's not like it just stopped happening whenever, you know, Eek 4 went away. That kind of thing happens all the time. Um, sometimes yep. it's simple things, like you're talking about, where you know, the the ground bus in the, the tool is linking to a known good ground and you're you know, inadvertently fixing it. Or it can be as stupid and wild as all oh, your keyless entry on this older car doesn't work when you park it in the garage because you're too close to the house Wi-Fi. You know, it can be weird, crazy things like that.
1: Have you run into any um, vehicles where you might have some wild electrical problems like uh, instrument cluster, radio, HVAC? Uh, doesn't work very well doesn't work at all flickers a you plug your scan tool in and it starts working just fine
0: yeah i've had several of those shockingly enough several ford's and probably a few gms where as soon as you bridge 4 and 5 on the obd2 port the cars fixed yep. <laughs> yes but that's exactly where i was going yeah, with that it's, man i hate that we're picking on domestic cars though like you know it's there's so many different I would say fights or, you know, I I plan to murder you or you plan to murder me. One of the two situations it's, I don't know. I I find that most of the time I end up being my own worst enemy because I get into something. I do the couple basic tests that I try to always do in this situation. I don't get anything and I go, Oh, well, this is going to be a cool one. And I load up for bear. And then like three, four, five, six hours, you know, two days, whatever later I'm like, Let me go back and rerun those tests. And, you know, I check terminating resistance on CAN or whatever. and Lo and behold, it's messed up. Why wasn't it messed up when I checked it the other day? I don't know. I have no clue. Don't care. It's broken now. And that leads me to the fix. So many times I want to go back and say, why did you complicate this? Or... How could you not have seen that? That was blatantly obvious. How could you not have seen that? How could you not have seen when you plugged the scan tool in? It was fine every time. As soon as you unplugged the scan tool, the car stalled. Like, how did you not see that? Force for the trees. It's that that stress that we're in while we're working because we tunnel vision. I think I talked about tunnel vision last time. Um, And, again, I still do it to this day. I mean, you know, it's hard not to. I willingly try to work on as many cars a day as I possibly can and it's probably too many but it's the nature of the job and it's, it's kind of funny because when you send me random movie references I can almost tell what kind of day you're having just because it's <laughs> like you know that was my yesterday that's shit I should have texted that to you
1: if I didn't have those experiences I don't not that I'm that great, I just I'm I don't think I'm all that great, but I'm not as where I'm at without them. I'm certainly better after them than I was before, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I I have a Chrysler one that popped in my mind. Uh, a Dodge. I'm almost positive. Dodge Neon got sent to me from another shop. The uh, code. Would keep setting. I, I'm pretty sure it was a P034. I was
0: 340. I swear to God, I was getting ready to say it's a camshaft sensor code. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm almost positive. And I scoped it and it was good. So look at service info and cam crank correlation can set the code according to the service info. I'm almost positive. I don't, maybe it was a 341, but I thought it was a straight 340. I might be wrong. It could have been a 341. But, anyways. Look at ScanData, and you can watch cam crank correlation and it's it's off. It's off like like, I don't know, six degrees. A little bit of a clue that I didn't take because I jumped to conclusions that they, in fact, replaced the timing belt to try to fix this issue. And they either put the wrong belt on or put a cheap belt on or they didn't replace the tensioner. or They
0: didn't set the tensioner right. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And this might be like the third easiest timing belt to do on anything ever because I ended up doing it. I did it. That never happens. I did a timing belt on a two, three Mustang once. I think, I think I even beat the book time on it. Well, that's impressive. But otherwise, other than that, it's rare, right? But I end up doing it on this one because a lot of it too is I wanted to see. And uh, no, they, this, they knocked this thing out of the ballpark. It was perfect. It was perfect. Too Perfect. If that's even possible. I bolt it all back together and you start the car and within, I don't know, five seconds lights back on car runs good. There's no drivability complaints. It's just that light. And man, you know, I'm
0: you're, you're bringing back some terrible memories because I swear if you've like, I almost want to write down the situation I was in with a Dodge Neons a 2001 and it was actually an expresso, which was the Plymouth version. Same crap. I swear to God, if it's the same problem, I swear, I, I'm guessing it is, but I was so close,
1: so close to stuffing a PCM in this thing. Oh man, because I was baffled, you know. And I'm I'm scoping cam crank correlation, and it it's off. It's not off a lot, and 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 right per scan data, it's not off a lot. But it only has to be off like four degrees to trip the code. Yep. I'm like, what the hell, and. The belt, I'm looking at the belt. I think I put a new belt on it. I think I got a a good belt, replaced the tensioner. Does that have an idler on it? If it did, I put one on. And again, I mean, no change. Everything that shop did, well, okay, to a point, everything the shop did was balls on. And I don't know if you want to do like a one, two, three. What did you do to fix the car?
0: Let me, I'll tell you the lesson I learned. And then you can kind of wink at me whether or not this is. So, exact same situation you're in. Car comes in, it's got a 340. I look, the sink's off. I go, well, I think it needs a timing belt, you know, because that's how we used to, that's how we used to check timing belts on those. You know, I I was fortunate enough to have a friend that worked at Chrysler for years and he's a super smart guy. If you ever had the opportunity to meet him, his name's Earl Davis and he's a wizard at all things. But um, I looked and I was like, well, it's out. Needs a timing belt, told timing belt, didn't fix it. And then I learned, you know, that, um, oh, I I, re- I I said, well, there's got to be something wrong with the cam sensor I'm not seeing. And so replaced the cam sensor. And then all of a sudden it went from a 340 to like a 341 or a 342 or something. It, the code changed. And I went, well, that's stupid. Day, two days later, whatever, I learned a very valuable lesson and it's called mark things, What did you have to mark? Well, not a lot of people know this, but you can mount that camshaft position sensor upside down. The one that goes on the cylinder head looks like a football. Yeah, if you mount it with the connector up, it will always have the wrong sync number. And it actually won't even... If you clear the sync and try to redo it, it will not learn the (laughs) sync. Nice. Yeah, that was a self-imposed beating. This one was slightly different.
1: Um, Turns out that many aftermarket camshaft sensors so this one was more flat one on the back of the yeah 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 back of the head if you will there's cakewalk to replace yeah it turns out some of the aftermarket cam sensors are clocked slightly wrong mm. so if you get a good quality either aftermarket or oE sensor what once was six degrees off is now zero degrees off or one degree off yep in my case it was Pretty close to one degree. Dude, I was so close to stuffing a PCM in it. It it was close. I think I even like, I might have even ordered a used one to try because I wasn't so, I wasn't confident enough. Yeah. Earl Davis is definitely in
0: that. He's in that list. He's definitely in that list. He is in that list. Yeah. So that is the same cam sensor we're thinking of. It bolts up just to the, the surface of the back of the cylinder head and the connector is supposed to point down. Not a lot of people know this, but you can mount it 180 upside down. So the connector points straight up and that'll ruin your day. <laughs> and, um, oh man, oh, dude, I'm telling you that was, that was the day that I learned that, you know, you either take pictures of things when you take them apart. And again, I was, a, I was a younger guy. I, I mean, I hadn't been in the trade very long and it was just hurry up and get it done. Hurry up and get it done. Hurry up and get it done. Took it off, put it on. Now it's like not wanting to start and I got a different code and I'm like, oh my God you know, and then, you know, a day or two later going through it, like you talked about, well, I know the timing's on, it's spot on, I did it, went back, checked it, still on, you know, everything's good. Like, Jesus, I wonder if the PCM's just garbage. I don't even remember what made me look at it and go, you know, that just doesn't look right, but it it wasn't right, so I learned a lot from that car.
1: Well, I mean, I can't, I, I definitely cannot promise everybody listening that you get your butt handed to you a few times that you're gonna burst out of a cocoon as a butterfly or a Buddhist palm Kung Fu genius, or even a diagnostic genius. But I can say with no hesitation that without those beatings, uh, I'm not anywhere near the tech I am now. And I don't want to imply that I'm that great. I just, sorry, I can't do it.
0: I absolutely agree. There's no way you will ever become the master. You cannot. I mean, if you look at any any kung fu movie, any martial arts movie, the student is always getting beaten up. Doesn't matter if we, if we look at Kickboxer, John Claude Van Damme.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: If you look at any of those, the progression, and hopefully Jim Conus is listening to this, going, yes, yes. It, just from that, you know, becoming the master, you're you're gonna have to put in sweat. You're gonna have to take the beatings. And some of them are going to be unfair fights. Sometimes it's you're fighting yourself. Sometimes you're fighting a parts catalog. I mean, raise your hand if you've gotten a wrong part. And if you'd have gotten the correct part or the correct part number the first time, you would have fixed the car on day one. I mean, it's... But all of those beatings have to be taken in order to become the master. Have to.
1: Yeah, and and if you're Jean-Claude Van Damme and all of those beatings, you're going to have
0: to be forced to do the splits. You're going to have to do a split. Whether you're a kickboxer or blood sport. I mean, Obligatory split for absolutely no reason.
1: Well, yeah, but they're going to
0: rope you up somehow and uh, stretch you out. Maybe that's where we're messing up. We're not stretching out before we start working.
1: <laughs> got to do some calisthenics.
0: <laughs> stretch out, get the blood flowing. Oh, man. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And you know what? I, guys, people that are listening to this, I don't want you to think that just because they're old cars back in the, you know, I'm going to say back in the day, back in the day for you, not so much me, Um, just because it was older cars and service information wasn't as easy to use as it is now. The tooling wasn't as easy to use now that those that those beatings are going to stop or they're going to be any less brutal. They're not. They're going to be worse because you get comfortable with, oh, this is easy. I know exactly where the information is. I, oh, yeah. Functional description. Got to read that. Oh, code setting criteria. Got to have that. Got to scope all the things. And then out of the shadows, you know, you think you got this. You go to, you go to sling that throwing knife and somehow it ends up in your own shoulder. Yeah, it, it
1: doesn't end. I mean, I, I hesitated to bring it up because I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before, but I won't go into great detail, but I had a Dodge Nitro uh, that brought to me from another shop that replaced the transmission control module and it would set uh, DTCs for the uh, initialization would be incomplete and it would fail every time you tried. I thought maybe it had the the wrong TCM in it because there was a couple different ones. I think one was Continental and and then a different one. And I thought maybe that was the issue. And then it turns out, uh, I lucked out. Mr. Nicholson is working at a Chrysler dealer. And I message him, wondering if he has any, any advice. And he talks to a coworker. And they said, well, try reprogramming the PCM. I'm like, well, geez, that's a, it's not asking for a update. They're like,
0: force it. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the trans.
1: Yep. Force it. Force the PCM update. See if that will uh, allow it to redo that handshake, which is essentially all it was. I think it was EGS initialization, it was what they called yep. it. And um, sure as hell, that's what did it. And now, you know, there I sit. I learned kind of a harsh lesson and that sometimes you have to program not. For a firmware level, but to allow a function to work, especially when it comes to like handshaking type things, where modules have been replaced and you can't get them to talk. Another one, I think this is cross-platform. It don't matter what you're working on. If stuff kind of goes to hell in a handbasket after a module replacement or reprogramming, uh, do a capacitive discharge. Put it in
0: timeout. Yes. I don't know if I could rattle off all the cars that have, that has bailed me out. I mean, I feel like if anybody hasn't fixed a car with a battery, Jesus, which is what we call it, just so we're all clear, that means we're disconnecting the battery from the vehicle, right? We're putting in a timeout or whatever. I don't know that you've been working on cars very long. If you haven't had to do that, it's that common.
1: The disconnecting the battery uh, and I'll, I'll short the cables together, yep. uh, either directly or with through a. You know, a light or something. I don't know what would be the difference. You short the stupid things together. You just and need
0: something to pull the capacitor. Let her sit no?
1: for a while. Yep. Yeah, go walk away. Go to lunch.
0: It's funny that you were talking about you know having to force reprogram Monday. I just had one that uh, program for service bulletin resolves the service bulletin issue. Um, now, miraculously, we have three or four other codes and. Like, everybody seems to be irritated at the DME, which is German speak for engine control module. And um, about four or five hours into it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just try something. And I just went ahead and reprogrammed the DME and one or two other things that it was complaining about. And as soon as we did the power down as part of the programming, the the key dance, as I call it, um, boom, all the fault code's gone. Everybody's happy again. Zero rhyme or reason as to why I should have had to do that. But for whatever reason, it wanted it, which is good. I mean, you know, it's, but it's one of those things that I've learned over the years. Like if stuff doesn't make sense, and I'm trying to remember who said it from IATN days because they were a smart guy too. I just can't, I I don't want to say a name and be wrong. But in the golden days, their phrase would always be um, if it doesn't make sense, it's typically software. And you should, if you have the ability, try to reprogram it. And sometimes that works out. Sometimes it really does. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Yep. Sometimes it makes it worse. we will talk about that. <laughs> um, we don't want to talk about God, that. God, I wish I could remember who used to say that. And it was back in the golden era of IATN days. Hopefully they were listening and they'll email and be like, it was me, you idiot. That would be cool. If it's you, email me. It definitely wasn't me.
1: Um, my knee jerk is Paul Beltuis. Could have been.
0: Maybe Riggle. I'm thinking that's probably who it was.
1: John I'm Riggle. I'm thinking it's
0: probably Riggle, but I don't want to swear to that in open court because then he's going to be like, I never said that. Well, sorry. No, if it's positive, he'll take credit yeah. for it. But I mean, here, here's the <laughs> thing though. If he, <laughs> Deservedly if, so. If, if he wasn't the one to say it, I still got plenty of gold nuggets from him over the years. So it's, it's fine. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, that's the other thing too is um, since we keep mentioning it, maybe we should just flat out say it, you know, a big part of this job Or a big part of the learning path for this job is networking. So you don't have to take all those beatings yourself. I'm sure I could work in the the Kung Fu
1: with that. Learning from your own mistakes is great, but learning from other people's is better.
0: Absolutely. Um, And it's funny that you mentioned your Nitro because... um, you omitted you the rest of that story. So this was several months ago when you had that nitro. And recently there was someone that seemingly was battling the same thing on a Grand Cherokee. Same engine, same transmission. So um, I don't know that you ever got closure on that, but you were able to kind of give that guy a heads up. Hey, likely this is going to be a path you need to take.
1: Yeah, I looked like a genius for five minutes. And then, you know, my friends come in and make sure everybody knows that. I didn't figure it out on my own.
0: <laughs> it wasn't me this time. I I wasn't the one that popped your bubble this <laughs> time. Wasn't me. Um, I was gonna tell him eventually. That's the thing is, is when he
1: when he responded back, like, "Oh my god, it worked! Thank you so much. You're so you're so smart." Then I I probably would have let him know that I did not figure it out on my own. That I had to. I mean, if he follows your well, I call. Uh, I talked to John Rogers about it, and then uh, Mike Nicholson, and he's the one that gave me the talk to one of his coworkers and got back to me with that idea. Did you, I mean, what else were we going to do? We didn't know what else to do. Otherwise we're starting to slam parts at
0: it. Holy water. Holy water works. Gangbusters. You know, it's, I think the networking to be able to share those and we talk about it and, and guys that have gone to training, big training events, they know that that's pretty much what goes on at all of the social functions involved dinners, lunches, bar. This is what happens when you get a bunch of guys, they sit around and they share war stories. And honestly, I've learned a lot from those. There's been events that I've been at that I learned more at, you know, comparison of war stories, you know, sharing those fights than I did the entire time I was in class, which sounds terrible. And I don't mean it to sound terrible, but it's just, there's that much experience. You know, you get two, three, four, 500 people in a room, there's going to be some good experience to share. So guys should definitely do that.
1: Yeah. That's not knock in classroom time at all. It's just, that's the value of the networking. That's the value of getting to know colleagues uh, and fellow tradesmen or whatever trades people and talking to them and visiting and exchanging those war stories. Well, it
0: gives you another outlet.
1: Oh yeah, Definitely. <laughs> definitely. And more people to bounce ideas off. Absolutely. I mean, people to bounce ideas off. I
0: mean, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for training events and trade shows, you wouldn't have anybody cool in your cell phone. You, you would have nobody's, nobody importance number in your Rolodex. Let's be real. Oh, for me definitely I, I'm, are you kidding I, I was specifically saying you but i mean and now i'm going to pick on myself yeah. the only reason i even have those numbers is because somehow you managed to work my phone number into a conversation with those people and then they call me which they're drastically disappointed normally by the time the conversation's over with but at least i have their number to store now
1: they're, they're probably disappointed because i didn't give them your number i sold it to them so they probably thought they were going to get some kind of a value out of it. Oh, maybe. Yeah. That's probably on me. Yeah. That's probably on me. Sorry about that. probably shouldn't have done that. No. Well, I mean, it's kind of a sliding scale. Certain numbers are worth more money and yours is kind
0: of in the middle. Yeah. These aren't, uh, these aren't baseball cards.
1: Scott Manna. I don't know if anybody could afford that number,
0: but you know, yours? that's a pretty popular number. I mean, you could have my phone yeah. number pretty, pretty easily. I think.
1: Well, I, I got yours priced where people kind of wince, uh, but they pay me. <laughs> so I learned that. I learned that in like some, yeah, I, I learned that in a service advisor or management class, not about phone numbers, but about invoices. That's that got to be the right price, is where the customer winces a little bit and then cuts you the check. So I'm doing that with phone numbers. Tell me that
0: was uh, dues and donuts. <laughs> yeah. Tell me that was wit. I think it was. I'm pretty sure it I'm was. pretty sure it was pretty sure uh, that was good training I missed those videos the other thing too is is a lot of people especially people that have just started in the last five to ten years you're kind of spoiled on the amount of content that's available to you we we were kind of I know I was and you if I was you had to have been because you've been doing this longer than I have been but we didn't have a ton of resources. You know, you maybe had one service information, like you were talking about Mitchell with the disks. I remember the binder. All data was the same way. Mitchell had like 20 disks. All data had like 50 disks. They were color-coded and numbered. Yep. And, yep. and then you would get training videos. You'd you'd buy like AVI training videos. And some of them would yep. come in as actual VHS tapes. Um, Literally, yep. And that was about the extent of it. You know, there was, you know, there was, we had IATN. But there wasn't a bunch of training content on that. That was mostly kind of peer review or peer to peer support. Yep. Now, I mean, you, you can't turn around in this trade without getting slapped in the face with some form of resource. Um, you know, there's ten or twelve service informations. There's, uh, you know, there's tons of trade groups on Facebook and even Discord and Reddit now. Yep. People linking up with each other on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, making friends to talk to when you're at training events, which if you guys go to training events, always, always, always enter an unfamiliar conversation. I'm not saying bust in there like the Kool-Aid man. I'm just saying, don't be afraid to join a conversation. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Right. Um, Yeah, not the Kool-Aid guy.
1: Macho Man Randy Savage. Well, they sound so much the Ooh, same. Yeah. Snap into handout slim jims. Yeah, something. Ooh,
0: or yeah. you know, if you're if you're uh, if you're Keith Perkins, you could just uh, pass a eggplant around. You could come up with a random. It does.
1: It works its way around.
0: It, it did, and it started a lot of conversations. We got to introduce ourselves to a lot of people because of that eggplant. I, I guess I lost trust in people
1: uh, with that. There's people I truly thought um, cared about me, and I learned that maybe they don't care about me as much as I care about them. It was very painful. What do you mean? Traumatic even. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, it's just, I got it later on in the evening. So the, the options of who, you know, who to break in was greatly diminished, greatly diminished. Oh yeah. 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 So the number of targets dropped significantly.
0: Well, I mean, that happens whenever it's one o'clock in the morning. So I'm just throwing that out there. But, you know, it's, and I hate to beat the training thing to death, but there's so many things that go into training that people just don't understand unless you've been there and done it. But back to the beatings, you know, we, I I could share hundreds of stories, probably just from last month of times where I thought I was on the right path and I was on the wrong path or I got beaten up by something stupid or I got beaten up by something that has never happened in the history of the world. Um, It was a perfect storm of this being stuck there and that being there and connectors being swapped and the car got struck by lightning. And, you know, it's, (laughs) uh, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, it's. It's a situation where, and that's probably why you and I make light of it, why we why we compare ourselves to movies. Aside from the fact that we watch entirely too many movies, but um, I don't think people. Re- I don't know about too many. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. Y- you know, it's part of that reflection thing that that we keep bringing up. That I thought your podcast on that was really good, really, really, really good. Um, and I think, do you remember which episode number that was? Because that was a for the record, right? I think technically okay. I, I'm trying to remember because that was in the era right before you became a superstar and got your own podcast so I don't know it could have been your Super very first superstar. one I don't know. yeah kind of like the
1: superstar like SNL version maybe I'm just saying Scott Manon doesn't have podcast. well you dominate the freaking airwaves nobody else would get to have a <laughs> podcast anymore Rogan done <laughs> I'm done <laughs> Sam Harris, done. I mean, it just, yeah, it's it's all over. I, Bill Maher just started his own podcast. It, it'd be done. You wouldn't even have gotten a chance. I, wow. Karm, Carm, I don't know what Karm would have to do.
0: You know, Karm's really good. But I think everybody, if they haven't listened to that podcast for whatever reason, time, or they forgot about it, or the title did, did, didn't strike you, I think everybody in the trade should listen to that. They should listen to that podcast specifically for what they can teach themselves by reenacting or revisiting those fights and those beatings.
1: Yeah, it's not a for the record. It was just a, a regular podcast with Carm and I on Carm uh, with Carm.
0: Oh, it was it. Uh, okay. It is RR six forty eight. Remarkable results, six forty eight. Everybody should listen to that podcast. I think. um, and I know there's a ton of podcasts out, but I feel like, and I, again, not, you know, not to blow any smoke up your skirt, I think that's a good subject. I do. I think the way it was presented was good. I think that there is a ton of value to that technique, whichever way they go, whether they physically write it down or whether they type it or whether they do something. I, I kind of do something similar where I just keep folders on my computer, um, and I start a new folder every time I'm, I'm getting beat up. And screenshots, pictures, you know, I snap pictures of all my notepads that I'm whatever. And that goes in there and it allows me to relive that nightmare. Um, you know. <laughs> and it's funny because they're all oh, named oh, like man. it's like Saw One, Saw Two, and so I'm up to like Saw five thousand and eighty eight. But uh <laughs> that that movie reference probably just going right over. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, everybody should
1: go watch Kung Fu Hustle. And all the Saw movies. <laughs> Except the last one. I like Chris Rock. I really do, but I did not like that last Saw movie
0: at all. No, 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 no. If you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna recommend movies, they need to watch Kung Fu Hustle, they need to watch The Guardian, and then they need to watch American Ninja One, Two, and Four.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. The ones with Michael Dudikoff. that third one was an abortion. Um that don't know why they went there. And in number four, let me tell you, Joe, his name's the character's name's Joe, catches an arrow in his mouth and uses it to kill somebody that is holding him. He just turns his head and stabs him with the arrow. This is that is next level martial arts.
0: I'm telling you. I, I tell you what, there's one more that I think everybody should watch too, because it kind of really brings in. The entire motif, and it's it's a martial arts movie because apparently that's what we watch mostly, I think, is um, 47 Ronin. Ah, I like that one, too. You get to see him literally as an orphan that gets adopted by a clan and just treated like crap, right? He's the porter or he's the oil change guy. It's like a
1: Japanese version of Tarzan. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, but it's more than that. It's almost like a Japanese version of Tarzan meets male version of Cinderella. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you get to see that progression. So, yeah. It's
1: good movies. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Justin, for coming on again. No, thanks for having me. Uh, Let us know. uh, Yeah. Well, thank you for wanting to come on. I mean, talk cars, talk movies. Uh, If you guys... Uh, one mind, shoot us a message. Uh, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on Facebook if you want, or my uh personal messenger. Uh, d- you know, is this something you like to hear about? Uh, talking movies, talking cars, uh, references, stuff like that. Uh, if you do, I, Justin and I would be happy to keep doing these. Uh, I get a kick
0: out of it. Uh, I hope Justin gets a kick out I of it. I get a kick out of the random message. The random message I get throughout the day. But on a, I got more. I mean, oh, I know you dude, do. I got more. We, you need to um, pick our special guest so we can do part two of the Rocky podcast,
1: Rocky you, Four. You're my special guest. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. yeah, for part two. Yeah. You have, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Let's get Earl. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Well, you have your mission. Now go forth and wreak havoc. <laughs> but uh, seriously everyone thank you for listening thank you Napa for sponsoring us and I look forward to talking to you next time thanks
0: buddy you've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the aftermarket radio network follow Matt on your favorite listening app he's very interested in what you have to say let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.